David again. Haven't talked about David in a couple of weeks. Record, new record for me. Um, and I'm going to take you back to something I did actually last fall, uh, late, late, back when it was warm. Okay, it was uh, I think November or December, and um, had a heat stroke. I think it was only like like 25 or 30 degrees. Those are good old days, you know. Um, I'm sorry, I've just been outside. I am still freaking cold. My toes, I just can't hardly feel my toes. I'm just outside. But I want to take you back to that, to a time when I talked about David and Goliath. Maybe you were here. If you weren't, feel free to go on the website and you'll see that. And I gave this passage that we're going to talk about this morning just a little bit of time because I was doing the whole, the whole narrative on David taking on Goliath and what was encompassed with all of that and so forth. There was one little part in there that I want to go back to. And, um, and just in case you, everybody, and if this is your first time in church in your life, I'm sure you still have heard of the story of David and Goliath and how this young shepherd boy took on this eight to nine foot giant and he was a Philistine and David represented the, the armies of God, the children of Israel, uh, God's chosen people. And, um, and how he did do that and he comes into this military camp and he sees this big challenge laid down by this uh, uh, trash talking uh, giant basically saying, oh, you know, send me out your best man. He says, I want to go fight him. Keep in mind, David's 16, 17-ish at the time. And, uh, and of course, all the other people were saying, you are crazy. Come on. You know, what have you been smoking? And um, he was a shepherd boy. No. And uh, anyway, he, it, no, I'm joking. Um, he, he was a righteous guy. And, and anyway, they said, who, what are you, are you kidding me? And uh, finally, he convinces them, I'm, I want to do this. The king at the time, King Saul, comes and says, all right, look, you can go, but you've got to wear my armor. So let me, that's where I want to take you to the story, all right, the narrative, and, and, and just kind of fill you in on this. Now watch this. Uh, this is 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 38. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail, which is like, like body armor, right, metal armor. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream. He put them in his shepherd's bag, and then armed only with his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. And you know what happens from here on. He, uh, he takes him down. Now, David is basically saying, my word's not his. I can't be someone I'm not. Don't ask me to wear Saul's armor. He's saying, basically, let me take on this challenge with the giftedness that God has given me. And that's not King Saul's armor. Um, there's a lot of applications to that when you start and stop and, and really reflect and think about that and, and, and for all of us and all of our lives and so forth. The biggest one is, is the first one. I'm just going to show you two or three things. Uh, but the biggest one is it just shows you the value of authenticity. I mean, he is who he is. There is a, there is a, there, it reflects his integrity. Integrity is an interesting word. Uh, root word comes from a Latin word that means whole, W-H-O-L-E, whole. 
which, which occurred to me that when we, when we lack integrity, we're not whole. We're either saying something that, that is not representative of truth or we're being someone that we're really not, but we're not whole. And uh, that, that, that is a part of our integrity. So basically, when you start thinking about this whole thing of authenticity, I mean, really, it, it's, it's foolish. Why is it so hard to find authenticity? It's foolish not to be. I mean, when you think about it, it's, why, would, why, would, why do people try to be someone they're not? Um, it's futile. It's frustrating. Uh, frankly, it's not very attractive. I mean, how many times have you said, oh, I don't, I don't want to be around that person. They're just a fake. And uh, maybe it was a judgment. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe you should have said, said that. Maybe you shouldn't have. But it, it, nonetheless, that's how we feel we, when we're around people who aren't authentic. You know, sometimes there have been people who've said they find more authenticity in a bar than they do sometimes in church. That's a, that's a dirty, rotten shame, but sometimes that's the truth. And uh, hopefully that's not the case for you. If there's one place that you can be authentic and be honest and, and be who you are, I, I hope that would be in the place that upholds the uh, standards of, of who God is and His love and, and acceptance of you and who you are. But yeah, it, it, there, it, it is. It's, it's futile, it's frustrating, it's not very attractive. M- more than that, it's not honoring to God. God wants us to be who we, God wants us to be real. He wants us to be who we are. It's a great proverb, uh, a Greek proverb. We don't, it's been attributed to several different people. Nobody knows for sure. All we know is that it's a, it's a proverb that's, in, that's uh, inscribed on an ancient temple of Apollo at, uh, at Delphi. Um, and we're not sure who said it first, but it's a real simple proverb. Know thyself. That takes a lot of time sometimes. There's a, there's a, there's, that takes some years sometimes. But, but know thyself. Um, it's, a good, it's a good thing to stop and think on and reflect upon that, and I'm going to talk more about that in just a second. Um, Socrates, put it this way, it is the greatest good for an individual to discuss virtue every day for the unexamined life. The unexamined life is not worth living. We need to be authentic because it makes us more effective as people, as people in the workplace, as husbands and wives and fathers and mothers and friends and, 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 and so forth and so forth. It makes us more effective when we're authentic. So that's the first thing we take, we take from David's story here is, you know, there is great value in authenticity. That's very important. Never underestimate that. And strive for that. Always strive for that. But let me show you the second thing, which goes along with this first one, obviously. This shows that we need reflection time to just stop and think about who we are and what my gifts or my gift package and my talents really are and where I'm most effective and how I'm most effective. I mean, you think about that with David. He was a shepherd boy for years. Now, just think about that. This is before. I know this is going to be hard for you to think about. He's out there watching the sheep, you know, and pulls out his iPhone, says, oh, I think I'll just, you know, listen to some Broadway tunes here, you know. Sorry. Um, I have them on here. I have, I, believe me, I get called all kinds of names by my friends, but I love them. Um, um, he didn't have an iPhone or the much less desirable BlackBerry. He didn't have an, an iTouch. 
Uh, he didn't have, um, uh, you know, a portable TV. He didn't have, I mean, and, and just stop and think about it, the, 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 all the weight of all that. I mean, my wife thinks he had a harp. Okay. He probably had some kind of a little, little portable harp. Um, had something like that. But here's the deal. You say, what, why are you making a big deal out of that? Because we're able to dodge those alone moments that we so desperately need in the society and the culture in which we live. Because I always got my earphones, right? Always got, I, got those, I got them handy. I, you know, I, I, if I'm going to walk, I'm going to work out, I'm going to be on the train, if I'm gonna, I've got to have my earphones, I've got to listen to something, or I've got to watch something. And, and, and listen, there's nothing wrong or sinful about that. I'm not implying that. But you know, sometimes we need to stop and reflect and think and just pray. Or, God forbid, just think. Oh, you've gone too far there now, Rich. You've gone way too far. Um, just to think, you know. I know some people have even taken the point of, of getting there, you know, on a train. Some of you are on a train every day for an hour or so, um, or, or every few days. I've known some people who've even, who've even gone out of their way to get some white noise and put it in their, on their, on their uh, earphones so they can just stop and think. And I'm here, I'll be distracted by all the conversations around them, not listen to music, but just, just a little white noise so they can think and, and, and reflect. And uh, Great idea, very creative in that. My point is this, we live in a society that, that just wants to get at us from every angle we can possibly think of, whether it's visual or whether it's listening or whether it's something else. And you know what? Sometimes we need to get away from that, just turn it off and just stop and think and pray and reflect. And one of the things that needs to happen about that is for me to, is for me to stop and think and, and reflect on who I am and who God made me, and how can I best serve Him, and, and what are my gift? what's my sets of, or what is my area of giftedness? I'm, I'm, I can talk about this with, with some authority, because I've been, and I'll tell you more in a moment, but I've been, I've been about this myself a lot lately. Um, basically, means, I need to, it basically means that I need to stop and figure out how best to utilize whatever my giftedness is, which means I've got to figure that out, and help others have some fulfillment in my own life, and of course, most importantly, honor God with my life. I like the, uh, the thing that Augustine said. I used this, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I think, but it's a great, uh, great thought from Augustine. People travel to wander at the height of the mountains, at the huge waves of the seas, at the long course of the rivers, at the vast compass of the ocean at circular motion of the stars, and yet they pass by themselves without wondering. Boy, you can do that in 2010 easier than you've ever been able to do that in years past. We can just get blasted from all sides all the time. And, uh, you know, that's the issue here. We need to stop and we need to, we need to have some reflection just to stop and think about who we are and, and, and who I am and what God has done and can do in my life and, and all that goes along with that. Third thing, and I want to talk about this one a little more. Because sometimes we get into our area of giftedness and we think, boy, this is my sweet spot. Here I go. Boom, boom, boom. Clear the decks. I'm gone, baby. Here I go. Third thing I want you to see is this, that this still shows that our trust has to be in God, even when we are operating in our area of giftedness. 
It still has to be on. Let me show you what David did. David, this is a, he throws away the armor. He says, I want, to go after, I want to go after Goliath. Look what he does. Verse 45, again, 1 Samuel uh, 17. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. I'm coming to you in the name of God. That's how I'm doing this. This is who I represent. This is who I'm about. The greatest temptation, one of the greatest temptations that many of us have when we recognize our giftedness and, and our talents, sometimes at an early age, is, is, is getting comfortable in that, in that zone and just staying right there and not realizing, you know what, I still need to trust God to make me the most effective and to make me honoring to Him as well. And David understood that. And, uh, and that's, a, that's a lesson that you and I need to, I mean, daily. You may be doing what you've done for, for, for 20 or 30 years, and you may be really good at it and very talented. You still got to depend on God to make you the most effective to make you, and, and to, make, to honor Him with what you do. Just, just don't get into the, the... It's so easy to get into the routine and, and, and the habits of doing the same thing in the same old way and not stopping and thinking and asking God for His help and His wisdom and His guidance. You know, I don't know how you're going to unpack this with you. For some of you, that might mean some, some changes in your life in terms of just, you, you may need to change just some priorities and, and maybe some of, your, some of your expendable spare time, you might decide, I need to spend more of that doing this because that's where I can really make a difference and that's what I'm good at and, and, and that may, I, maybe I can't do that for a living, but I can do this in my, some of the spare time that I have. For some of you, some of you are in a situation, you're blessed and you're able to, to maybe be reassigned uh, some stuff with where you work and, and get more in, more in your sweet spot that, that's more uh, where your gifts and your talents are. Where you, so you don't have to wear somebody else's armor. Keep being compared to somebody else or, or whatever that might be. I mean, some of you might have drastic, drastic changes that you might need to do. I've known people over the years that have said, you know, they, they've been on that road of self-awareness and self-discovery and said, you know what, I need to, in midlife, I need to go back to school because what I need to be doing is teaching. Or I may, I may need to be in this profession or that profession. I need to go back to school for that. I went to, I went to school with a bunch of guys. A scary thought. I, had, I just had this thought in the, in the early service, 9 o'clock service, when I was given this illustration, it just occurred to me. I, went to, I, I was starting to say this, that, that I went to school with guys who were twice my age at the time who, were, who had left careers to go back to, to school to study for the ministry. And what occurred to me at 9 o'clock was, those guys were the age I am now. That's not a very comforting thought. I just want you to know that. That's just a little selfish thing. But... Uh, um, that just occurred. But, but they were making some changes like that. Now, it may not be that drastic with you. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a you know, a getting more involved in Renaissance in some way or some effective way. Maybe it's getting involved in some other kind of thing. But it's something that we need to be aware of, to stop and to think. In every area of our life, don't ask me to wear Saul's armor. Okay? Don't ask me to do that because... Uh, that's not, a, that's not best for me. It's not best for you. It's, it's not honoring to God. So I'm going to pray, ask God to give us wisdom to think through that. But uh, let, me, let me pray. God, thank you for your grace, your love, uh, how you work in our lives, all of us. I pray especially that you would um, help us, Lord, to think, to pray, 
to reflect upon who we are, how we're most effective, and, and keep us from being painted into corners of trying to be somebody that we're not, whether that be personally or whether that be professionally. Pray to you help us in all that area, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.